right. Well, it's Saturday evening, late August. They call them the dog days of August for good mm-hmm. reason. Here in the Taylor Park. And we're going to do a beer with Carl Granger. Carl? It's, it's a lot like the Tupac song, All Eyes on Me. Yeah. That's how I feel right now. Yeah. Do you, do you feel any, like, pressure? Are you curious, like, where this might be going? Mm, Are there any no. deep, dark secrets that you're concerned that might be exposed? I mean, not any different ones. Than any other day, day. right? Well, you know, it's going to be hard out here. It's just going to be a. It's hard out here at this oak table. It's it's just going to be an easy little conversation because, as I'm sure you well know, for whatever particular reason, people are like, "Man, we want to get to know everybody that's on the podcast a little bit more. Where you're from, what you're about, stuff like that," because. Mm -hmm. Us just being full of shit and talking shit just doesn't seem to you be. You gotta enough. give them a little bit of like basis. <laughs> yeah. So they, they, maybe that way they get like a better understanding of right. where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, along the way, gosh, we've been doing this what, almost what, probably 18 months or so at this point that we've been oh, yeah. meeting yeah. intermittently and uh, doing, doing a few Taylor Trash episodes. Um, the question there's is... Been, there's been like a few little things that have snuck through occasionally that, it, I'll be honest with you, have shocked me. I'm like, whoa, wait a second. Where did that come from? I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. that that's an interesting little factoid about Carl Granger. Um, namely, uh, and I guess it's a good place to start, mm-hmm. you are actually from the UK, or your family is from the UK. I am. And but you were born here in the states. Yeah, I'm the American. You're the American. The American. So, so you're the I was, anchor baby. Yeah, I'm. A, I am an anchor baby. Uh, so I mean, technically, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't been following the news lately. I'm not even supposed to be in this country. I don't think. So you're maybe technically. Are you a dreamer? I think. I think technically, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a weird, like middle-aged Floridian dreamer. All right. So yeah. uh, I was born. I was born in City of Our Lord, <laughs> Dunedin, <laughs> Florida. Year of Our Lord, nineteen eighty-one. Uh, to European parents. Okay. First one of my family. And what brought in. them over? Uh, there were to the states. So my grandparents on my mom's side were displaced persons from World War Two. Okay. So my mom was actually here for a little bit, and then went back to university. In England. Okay. My dad's just English. Okay. Like, I don't know, spotted dick. Or what else is English? Jaguars. Okay. I don't know. Not the football team, the car. Right. The So they met there in college, lived there for a while. My brother was born in England. Okay. Then they came over. Older brother. Older brother. Then they came over. I was born here. In Florida, you know, by the grace of God. All right. So, <laughs> growing up, did did young Carl, uh, through the influence of family and being at the mm-hmm. being in the familial home, mm-hmm. 
did you speak more of the Queen's English and have oh, a no, yeah. little bit of accent? Yeah. Like when, yeah. you, when you finally, when, when Carl rolls into kindergarten, are all the, the, all the other kids, all the other kids like, mm-hmm. he talks so weird. All the other kids were like, what, what language is that? And then they realized that they were just baby talking. And so, then I taught the teacher how to speak real English. The only thing that could make your history even better would is be... Is if there was like, sir, no, in no, front no, of my name? No, 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 no. <laughs> it would be uh, if you were like um, from the part of England where Brad Pitt's character was from when they were in, in the campers. So... It, is that what, Cockney or something like that? Yeah, but... So it's the northern part. Okay. So... My dad's family's from up there, and he went back later on, like as a like I was an adult. Okay. And when he came back over to the states, he had that dog. He had a pit bull mixed with a whippet. You know what a whippet is? Yeah, the little, little tiny dogs, greyhound. Yeah. Uh-huh. Because the, and I don't know if this is politically correct, the jippos. Gypsies mm-hmm. would mix those two dogs together because they were really fast and they were hardy, so they could poach wild game with these dogs. Really? Yeah. So my dad found this dog like at a pound or some shit, and was like, "All right, we'll take, we'll you know." But the dog didn't even make any noise. It looked at me weird, and I was like, Ugh, "I don't know." Kind of small but scary, right? Small, but still had the heart of the yeah the pit bull. Oh uh, yeah, but like just real lean, mean girl dog too. Coco, oof, <laughs> Coco, <laughs> Coco, yuck. That's funny. Mm-hmm. So um, long live Coco. So you were you were raised over on the west coast, west coast of Florida, Dunedin, Dunedin, Florida. So we fished. Well, we hung around on a peninsula on a peninsula. Right. So from like 35 seconds from my house was the St. Joseph's Sound, then the Gulf okay. right there. So then, when, did, when did you, as a, as a kid, what exposed you to fishing to begin with? Did your parents? Yeah, yeah. Just family boat, okay. like fun fishing, whatever. Just, you know, whatever. Uh, and then my dad... Is a, a tradesman. He's a he had a cabinet shop and he's a builder. So he had a lot of friends that were like into fishing. So he had family boat, and then he had his like buddies c- would come over. Oh, let's fish and whatever, and we'd go fishing with like a bunch of different like people would come on our boat and fish, and we, so we kind of learned a lot from from them. But it was just you know bait fishing, cut bait fishing, you know, just like kind of little kids inshore, offshore, both, both, yeah, both. Okay. So. Um, that was kind of it for a while. I mean, as a kid, like young kid, it was that kind of stuff. Little bit of Lake Tarpons there, okay, and you know, and like Palm Harbor, Tarpon Springs. So a little bit of bass fishing out there, and then we got as time kind of went on, we got into bass fit, like proper bass fishing in like ponds and 
golf courses and stuff like that. So, so was there like a a, a neighborhood crew that you ran with? Like, oh yeah, you, know, you and you and three or four buddies on yeah. bikes. You're like oh, yeah. pond hopping. Yeah, total. Yeah, I do hood rat shit with my friends. Getting run out of shit. getting run out of the backyard. Yeah, you know, beat yeah. it, kid. You're on my lawn. That yeah. kind of stuff. We had a we had a very long like. 10 12 year relationship with the golf course rangers uh-huh running you off all they the time they would call people's parents uh-huh cuz they had the number from last time you know so the golf course had bass snook big snook um there was a there was a tidal creek connected them all yeah they, they went through the golf course and there was freshwater ponds through there so we got a lot of experience there, and then, you know, eventually, uh, shitty small boats and decision to go out to like saltwater. So, do you remember like your first boat? Oh yeah. Which I mean, my first personal Percy, yeah, my yeah. Percy craft. Yeah, yeah. it's nineteen sixty-seven, thirteen and a half foot Boston Whaler. Okay. Yeah. Okay. First, the first motor, eight horse Yamaha. Two trips later, that turned into a fifteen horsepower Mercury. And what happened there? Just locked up. Okay. I have no idea. I thought, you know, and especially at that age, we looked it up. We knew how to like mix the oil. We were paying attention, flush it with the hose, certain right. way. Locked up. We we're now. Like, how, how old? How old were you when you when you got your first boat? Like. 13 and a half or 14. So here's an interesting thing. So when you started boating for the first time, you, you obviously probably your parents were involved in helping you locate this boat. No, my brother bought it from his buddy. Okay. So yeah, your, your brother bought it. So and then is, at that time, is this a surprise? Like your brother shows up at home with a boat and your parents like the fuck a little, so the guy, the guy my brother bought this boat from, his name was Sterling Cox. Okay. Sterling Southworth Cox. His dad's name was Truman. Okay. <laughs> so we, my brother bought the boat from him, and I think he had to have my dad pick it up because he wasn't 16 yet because he's like a year and a half, two years older than me. So it shows up on my dad's shop because it's kind of a piece of shit. Right, so we had to like fix it up right. <laughs> somewhere. So we, so my brother shows up with it. And I'm like, Psh. and I think he was afraid to take the heat for it. So he said it was yours. So he's like, dude, me and Carl got this. And I'm like, yeah, we did. You saw the yeah yeah I saw the opportunity right. So yeah, we painted it up, got it cleaned up a little bit, and uh, like sandblasted the trailer got it all in shape whatever and that boat that's still stir so we sold it years and years and years later skip like probably like 10 years later we sold it back to sterling southworth cox cox so this is just running it around like the neighborhood ponds. No, like. no, that was so the whaler got us out into the onto the flats. Okay, to the dock lights, the flats. We'd run it to passes. There was a couple passes there, a little bit bigger stuff. But the um, 
that's what it was like that particular boat was like all right where we can go far, we can go a little bit farther so um side little side flat side console mm-hmm. like the no no we pulled it out we pulled everything out and it was a uh, tiller it was tiller yeah so one of the things you know ha- having a son that's now soon to be 14 mm-hmm. if i were to say hey let's get a skiff for him and turn him loose so that he can start exploring i guess now kids actually have to go to a class and get a um, card from the state of Florida yeah, yeah. saying that they've had boating <clears throat> safety right. and, and all that. Um, I, I don't know really how I feel about that. Um, I don't like. I don't know like the, it's like like how official it is. Yeah, I know little kids have to have have to have. There's a few things that are different. I mean, I wouldn't just say here's a boat, go turn yeah. turn them loose. Yeah, you know. But at the same time, I'm always like, why does the state have to be involved? I did it's one. A boat. From pre, and I probably talked about this in another show, but from it was pre FWC. It was like Florida Marine Patrol. No, it was Florida Freshwater and Game Commission. Okay. And I did uh, like a safety class, something to do with like scouts or you know something that was like available. And we did this thing. I want to say it was ninety three. I did this class, and I would have been like twelve. Okay. I have this placard at my house. Official. Dude. Still like like <laughs> you know? Carl's like legit. If someone if anybody comes over and starts shit, I get it off the wall. Be like, yeah. Back it up. If anybody takes a pistol out, I just go in, get that placard, and say, Go ahead, dude. You know what this means. <laughs> but the uh I don't it wasn't you didn't need it back then. Right. It was So so this this is like I guess your first big taste of freedom. Oh yeah, no, yeah, because I didn't drive. Yeah, you, yeah, you, I hadn't driven yet. Park, <clears throat> park the bicycle. Well, so how did you guys get the boat to and from the ramp? So my dad would bring it down until my brother turned sixteen. Okay, and if my brother didn't want to go, he would just have to give me a ride down there. Okay, He'd just to drop me off. And then a couple buddies that would t- that turned sixteen before me. I had driver's license. They come like and put the boat in, and then we go. So yeah, it was all, it was all, like money, hose, clothes. From there, like, from there on in. So how many of the other? And that brings us to today. How many? Of the, <laughs> how many of the other kids that you went to school with were like actively out on the water? Is it like part of the culture there where you grew up? Or no? So we had our little gang, and there was. Right around that time, some John boats were creeping up, you know, stuff that we found or had or somebody's dad had in a garage or something like that where there was a, you know, there was maybe a couple of few. And then as we got into it more and more, people were like, damn, this is all right. Chicks wear bikinis out here. Right. There, There was boats everywhere. You couldn't even park a boat at the boat ramp. Uh and we couldn't use a boat ramp. I just we were just I was just talking about this story the other day. We used to launch them on the beach, like on causeways. Okay. And it was a nightmare. Like you had to pull a car into the salt into, water. Yeah. yeah. It was just like crazy. Push the thing off into the mud. Push it out in the mud. Whatever. Because Dunedin Marina's boat ramp was an honor system 
two dollars and fourteen cents, <laughs> and we didn't have that. Right. <laughs> we were trying to go fish, and we didn't have the two dollars. Well, but you guys did do the honorable thing and yeah. realize, hey, we can't pay, so we're going to find a different way to do it. That's right. right. That's right. Because you don't know who's watching. It's not a big town, so That's we, uh, yeah, got to work around. So back in the Boston Whaler days. Um, just good times. You guys are running around, fishing, messing around, or, or are you guys like really focused on the fishing? Well, so we, yeah, I mean, we got more and more into it. And uh, truth be told, and we talked about this a little earlier, I listened to The Last Beer With with Mike Johnson today. Okay. And there was a lot that really wrong in that show um there was like a like the a thirst for information okay you know how he's he was talking about you know his buddy had a rod or whatever but if you didn't run into somebody that knew or whatever right or somebody on the creek or on the river hey man you're doing this wrong oh really how do i do it okay cool and it was like this slow there was no youtube there's no you know, oh, way before yeah, that. And it was right. like, no, like, yeah, we didn't, you know, read the magazines or whatever, but that was cool and that was big and big money and all this kind of stuff. So we really fed off each other. So we were out there, like, kind of honing with, you know, the group of people in town and guys that we grew up with and, and did other stuff with that we would go out there and we just sorted it out. A lot of trial and error. Oh, yeah. That was a that was a a science lab of just sorting out how to run a boat, and we got we got that down. I mean, there was a lot of things like back then that I don't know people anybody now that's better than guys then and like at fifteen or sixteen years old that could you know, make a, like a spinner at their house. I knew these like dudes that could bend wire, make a spinner bait. Okay. Just in a few seconds. Out of, out of necessity. Yeah, because, just stuff from like, the, yeah, just bullshit. You know, they're not going to. Yeah. They're not going to Bass Pro. We didn't have Bass Pro then. Didn't have Bass yeah. Pro. <laughs> so um, it was like, damn, like these, there was a few people that knew a few things that were just like, oh man, this guy's king. Uh, somebody's going to work on an outboard or something or tune a carburetor. Somebody was a king. You know, we'd, and it was like a, a a whole circle, and we were just feeding, feeding, feeding off each other and seeing what was going on. So that was a, that we got more and more into it, and that was a, we were digging deep at that point. I mean, we were going, that motor, man, no kidding. By the time, I don't even know when the boat actually sold, but it could have had thousands of hours on it. Okay. Thousands. Running around, looking at spots, different tidal patterns, different times of year, different fish, different so, this, different that. So even though you guys were obviously, you know, what, high school age at this point? Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, mm-hmm. Freshman, sophomore yeah. year, whatever. Mm-hmm. You guys actually had the wherewithal that you guys are, like, starting to accumulate this this collective knowledge. Right. And, and you're building on it. It's, right. You know, you're getting better and better and better. And along the way, it sounds like you've got other people at school or other people in the neighborhood. They're yeah. like, 
wow, they're having a lot of fucking fun. Yeah. We need to go. And, and they go and find just like a John boat, yeah. you know, or, or whatever. So you're kind of building this culture. Right. And it was coming together for, uh, you know, at least for our age group. Right. You know, there might have been dudes a little bit older or whatever that had, had boats and were doing their thing. But like for, uh, you know, for our immediate you know, two or three years of school or that class of school or whatever, we were kind of building our, our thing. And I mean, fishing there's as far as angling's concerned and, you know, mother nature and, you know, whatever it may be, there are anomalies. So there, it, it takes a while to figure some of these things out right. with no like iPhone in your pocket sure. for another 10 years. Uh, you know, whatever, about 10 years or so. Or more. Yeah. We were like, why does this dude stand in the same spot <clears throat> a few days a week? And there's forever just big redfish. This guy's like, shit is big redfish. And he's just forever doing the same thing in the same place with the same bait. And it's always working. And we're running all over creation. We can't do it. Can't replicate it. Yeah. So what are we going to take from this? What's our, you know, what's like our so, angling so secrets? Did, so did you guys ever just like roll up and be like, dude, what are you doing? No, we knew the dude. Okay. His, that was Randy, the rare red gorilla. That's real. <laughs> <laughs> so, so did he share his oh, secrets yeah. with you guys? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. Because here, here's the thing, like. We, we had to feed, like, everybody had to feed off of it. It didn't make any difference. Nobody would, like, had secrets. There you go. Yeah. That's what I was yeah. going to get at was, you know, what's cool to me is the fact that you can get a group of people together and collectively the group continues to get stronger and stronger. Imagine the tough go you'd have had if it was just you by yourself oh, going yeah. out. Like by virtue of the fact that you've got like this crew, you, you get real time intelligence. Right. Um, you, you get the confidence of being part of a group mm-hmm. and you're willing to go and engage other people. So, you know, that group think mentality mm-hmm. and, and, you know, that's probably a, a euphemism that's pretty common in, uh, corporate America now yeah, is yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. know, oh, well, you know, all, all the buzzwords, but you're really like just applying it. Right. And this was in and, a crappy old boat with some crappy old gear yeah. as kids. Right. And it builds and becomes part of who you are. Right. And here we are, how many years later? And you still, I, well, of, of a couple of few people that still listen to the show now are those guys. Really? Yeah. There's, a, a, I think, at least a handful of them, um, but the these are guys that you know kept that same mentality up that have fished. Dang, I couldn't even think. Like the reaches of where they've gone are, is pretty far, but you know some of them still live in Florida, but have traveled and whatever, and they've gone from kind of the same weird progression from, you know, fishing, you know, live bait and plugs and jigs and, you know, whatever, and piddle paddling around with flies and, you know, whatever. And then now they listen to the, to, you know, the show because they, they fly fish mostly now, right? you know, because it's kind of like the next frontier for, for them, you know? Um, 
but so, yeah, it's so from from back in that time. <clears throat> if you were to think back, is there a particular caper or adventure that you and your buddies went on that like stands out in your mind of oh my gosh, this one time when me and these other two guys went out and it was like this grand adventure or misadventure do you do you have any memory of like whether it was a fantastic fishing day or it was you got into some kind of trouble not like you Mm -hmm. know legal trouble but like you know something went awry and you guys figured it out and got back and it's like one of those stories that you still haven't told your parents that you're like Uh, one of these days i'm gonna have to Tell and you know, uh, yeah. level with the parents. I was late that one day because of yeah. X Y Z. Well, yeah, there was a f- quite a few of those, and it was you know I guess on the on the other end, I would have been <clears throat> I would have been uh, pretty concerned, but uh, probably boat troubles. The uh, 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 I could count up probably a handful right now. Just boat stuff, and oh shit, who got gas? You know, like, did we get gas? Right. No? Okay. So how's this going to work out? Yeah, because we're already yeah. <laughs> outbound yeah. way, <laughs> yeah. way yeah. past the half yeah. tank yeah. of whatever was in there. Uh, and then uh, weather okay. stuff. Because, you know, I, I think, and, and tell me if you agree or not, there's a certain amount of experience that you just, by God, have to get. Oh, yeah. And it's no, there's no replacement for to, that. To be in a position where when something crappy happens on the water, especially, right. that you're like, you don't like freak out about it. You don't get upset about it. You just go, okay, this is what I'm dealing yeah, with. Now we're here. Now yeah, we're here. Yeah. What do I need to do to figure this out? Yeah. And, and, you know, it doesn't happen the first time. 100 to 200 times that it happens to you but eventually right. you you get to that point where you're just like oh okay yeah i have a challenge and i had so we like the 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 gang had a pretty good amount of wherewithal based on i mean i feel like i'm at the a little bit of a cutoff of where it was okay for our parents to just cut us loose and be like Psh, go mess around on bikes all day well you know here's the truth on that is it's still okay to do that in the right area in the right yeah area. Yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah dominion florida is probably still okay to do that but, too. but you know like th- yeah. that chain everybody's is, kind of afraid of it you know what i mean right. now but we they were just like all right man get, you guys get out of here yeah it's Take the old bikes you know and, yeah be home when the when the street lights come yeah. on kind of mentality so if you're if there's those same, you know, we had that same kind of crowd from the neighborhood and we're doing that kind of, we're like, yo, you know how mad your mom's going to be if my mom knows that none of us made it home, she'll get us out of this. <laughs> so we had to kind of depend on each other to kind of figure out what we had to figure out. And and there was no grabbing the cell phone and calling no. and saying, hey, we need to tow in yeah. or bring us this or the other. We, so I... And this is something I thought about today. We got in, uh, we had a mechanical issue on a, on a little John boat. And we're out, started raining, it got a little hairy. We pulled onto the end of a, it would have been 
kind of like a small, uh, what would that be? End of a causeway. It was a ba- kind of a very small barrier island. Okay. And there was a payphone there, and we knew where the payphone was. So one of us stayed with the boat, and one of us ran to the payphone and called for somebody else to come and pick the boat up there and, okay. like, run it back in right. before people got, like, worried. So, we, you know what I mean? We weren't getting, like, in trouble. Like, nobody would call our house. Right. Like, the boys, they're missing. <laughs> you know, so we've we've touched on... You know, there was there was no lifeline of an iPhone or, you know, being able to text somebody or, or call somebody easily back then. But, you know, there's other things that I think are fading from our daily life that concern me uh, as a parent, whether it's the ability to navigate without a voice on the phone saying in, right. in six tenths of a mile, right. turn right at, you know, so the, the amount of experience that you guys got just pushing that envelope and learning your way mm-hmm. places as kids right. is miles and miles ahead of now with somebody, an adult. Yeah. And, 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 you know, there's guys that I get a direct message from. They're like, "Hey man, I'm I'm, you know, starting to fish Mosquito Lagoon. Is there any way, you know, do you have any pointers, any tips yeah. or anywhere, you know?" And it's like, "Get on plane and hold tight." Well, and not only that, they, they don't even think about venturing out without a GPS that's leaving a breadcrumb trail. Mm-hmm. It's like Turn off all the electronics and just fucking learn how to do it. Pay you know? attention and see what's Dead going on. Dead reckoning, yeah. it's yeah. called. So, yeah. And we had strong legs, so we could push the boat off. Right. Like, we're not doing that again. Sure. Uh, but it, it's funny to, to compare that, that particular area and that fishery to, <clears throat> to like, stuff that I fish later on to South Florida, to here. To, you know, wherever, where I'm like, damn, I wish I knew what every, like, every mangrove corner looked like. Right. I mean, like, the back of my hand. You know, man, well, I don't know what's going to, you know, come around this next one, but I would. So, you finish high school mm-hmm. over Dunedin? I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, didn't he? Yeah, there. I was. I finished high school at Clearwater High School. In Clearwater. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but I, I went to Dunedin High School for a number of years, and then finished at Clearwater for reasons unspeakable of. So, what happened with Carl after high school? So, did a little college. I studied. I studied um, the building arts. Like materials and methods of construction and okay. all this kind of stuff. So my dad, being a builder, had a lot of builder like buddies and people he did business with and whatever. So I'm like, shoe in, I got this. Well, I was too busy fishing and skateboarding and I, and working. Like at that point, you know, I um, I have always been a little bit of a hashtag entrepreneur. Okay. Um, so 
by the time I was done with high school, I had my first business license for a lawn service. I had a lawn service. Um, at You had to be 18 to have it. So it was like, you know, the day I turned 18. Um, did that through, you know, a couple of few years of school or whatever. Not full-time college, you know, right. like a couple of few classes at a time. And got into, um, I got into a company selling building materials, you know, through my dad mm-hmm. and whoever. Opened some doors for you. To boat builders. Oh. So I showed up at, Intrepid was a big one, in like in Pinellas Park, Florida. Huge place. I mean, just massive, real, big, massive boats. And I was like, whoa. This is the shit. Like, what's up with this? I know I got a boat. I fish. Right. Look at these things. So went to a few more, and it was from, I mean, that company serviced maybe like half the state of Florida. So, you know, one time or another, I was at a lot of different, like, factories, and I was like, man, this shit looks tight. I'm going to check this out. So that was stupid. But anyways, (laughs) that was crazy. But it looked awesome at the time, and I was like, I got to figure out more. And uh, I certainly did. So, well, <laughs> so you, you're you're selling and delivering, yeah, material, yeah, to boat builders. At some point, did you say, I kind of want to get my hands dirty doing that? Yeah, I mean, I don't. I'm not sure exactly when, like, I made the jump. Because, you know, I hear from time to time stories of the boatyard. And I don't want to jump oh, too yeah. far, no, no. far ahead. That was pretty close. That was, like, kind of the next step. So I went from, this would be, like, pretty early, like, oh, two or something like that. Somewhere around there, I was, like, Fuck it. Like, I'm going to check it out. Uh, I actually worked at a company, friend of a friend. It was like a service and mechanical and, you know, stuff. Uh, a lot of, like, outboard stuff um, and clear water. And that was, I mean, that the first place I went to was like, whoa. Like, this is nuts. We had... Um, like rental fleets we had those parasailing boats yep like come in on big trailers it was this was like inland like this was like in town um the dude that owned the company was married to the daughter of some family that had all the weird tourist boats like the big fake pirate boat that you oh, go for dinner yeah. cruises. Yeah, like the sunset cruise. Yeah, the big sunset dinner cruises and this and that and the other. So we we're out of the marinas messing with all these weird, bizarro, you know, manatee and dolphin tour and this and that and the other. I saw a lot of stuff, like, all of a sudden. Like, this is the first, like, boat company I worked for. I was like, holy shit. This is, there's a lot to figure out. This is sweet. I mean, that was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun back then. That was like before. So the boat industry's got a lot to do with 
like the housing industry. Okay. People borrow money against their houses for their boats. Sure. So this was before like kind of the housing duress. Okay. So it was it was sweet. I mean, there was a lot going on. People were buying boats and using their boats and fixing their boats. And, you know, it was, like, really busy and cool. So I was, like, in. I was, like, man, this is a shit. But it, put, it took my mind off of, you know, for a moment, like, I'm going to build boats. I'm going to build my own boat. Because that's what I thought when I saw Intrepid and all these, like, boat builders. Uh-huh. I'm, like, man, there's so much else. Like fixing and you know restoring and keeping them going and the commercial guys and this and that, we were fixing like ferry boats and crab boats and you know mullet boats and so I'm like, all right, this is there's just so much. I'm just gonna kind of take it all in, figure it out, fast stuff. I mean that first shop we went, I went a hundred miles an hour in, in a, a boat in a boat at that first shop. We built the the dude that I worked for built a. Big V8, like IO motor, uh-huh. one for this, uh, like twenty six foot, like like a cigarette boat with one motor, little tiny one, right, you know, real narrow, uh-huh. hundred miles an hour, like on break in. I'm like, damn, dude, this is a sweet. So from hundred miles an hour to f- keeping a crab boat on the water to a dolphin tour, to I'm like, man, there's just so much to figure out. I'm good here, and and keep my piece of shit boat running too. So. That works out pretty good. Do you still have the whaler at that point? I don't know. I thought pretty, yeah, yeah. I feel like I did. I feel like I did. I think I kind of the first little bit of that, I had the whaler. Um, so my next big like boat jump, pers- my personal boat jump was in 2007, 2006, 2007. I went to, and this is, like how kind of fickle the industry is I was damn does anybody know math (laughs) (laughs) do you guys know science math um so in 06 I was 24 and I drove my I drove my pickup up to North Carolina and bought a privateer boat from uh, Bellhaven, North Carolina, for cash. It was like fifty-five grand. <laughs> what? I taped that shit under my seat because I was scared to lose it. Even have I didn't have a cell phone then. That was the crazy part. So I had a cell phone, but it didn't. So hold on, hold yeah. on. Let's back up. Yeah. So you had saved fifty-five thousand. Fifty five hundred. No, fifty five thousand. It was brand new. It was like twenty. It was. It was called the Privateer twenty one hundred Roamer too. So, but it was twenty one feet at the waterline. Overall, the boat was like like twenty two eight. But then you put the outboard on a porter bracket. So it was like I had, I went up there, inspected all out, and like had it all dialed in. So all right, so, so and this is just money that you've squirreled away. Yeah, from toiling. Cutting grass as well as no no so the grass thing. By the time I started, well, by the time I started selling the building material stuff, uh-huh. the grass thing kind of like went by the wayside. Okay, it was too busy. And then when I went to the boat game, then the um, you know, the material stuff was like a proper like full time job. So I'm like 
you know, right. that was a, a switch. Okay. But yeah, just getting after it. It was good, man. It was really like it was a sweet times. It was I was doing a lot of, um, like dockside service. Okay. But you know, just weird stuff, detailing and yacht services and a little bit bigger stuff because you know people are out of town. They have some big old you know sea ray or whatever. They have to like keep it clean and keep it going and right keep so. it and whatever. So it was always. Always, always something to do to something. And something All right, to so I interrupted because yeah. I was like, whoa, hold yeah. on a second. $55,000. Yeah. Like, right. that's, that's a big purchase at 24. Right. So you, you... Well, I warmed up at 23. <laughs> <laughs> because I bought a... So, I mean, it was really good back then. This was like a... This was like the time of... And this is why I'm so sold on like this stuff now and why I do it now is it was kind of like an unperverted industry. Right. Like you could you could go and learn and work hard. Especially if you like work hard, it's you know, it's hot, it's nasty, it's whatever. But if you were like keen, you could really do it. It was really good. So in two thousand six I bought a brand new Silverado cash. In two thousand seven I didn't think the Silverado was big enough, so I bought the Tundra cash, and then I bought the boat cash. So in like two years, I spent like like $225,000 cash. It was all in the bank from working, just regular working. Wow. But it was like, you know, there was one of those so things. So I guess the lesson here is hard work can pay off. And like like when the stars just align and it's just you know like the like perfect because the the economy was good people were buying boats servicing boats you know using boats buying you know all that kind of stuff at the perfect time got in so that's why the i think that's what propels the drive today because uh-huh. i'm like you've been, you've I, tasted I've it seen the mountaintop yeah it's got to get better right <laughs> you know what i mean i don't know but I, probably in like almost in the perfect place you know and the, and the group of people i was working with and whoever was too busy so uh, you know give carl the you know extras or what you know it was just and you're like, like yeah what? keep him coming yeah, yeah. right yeah so you know especially at that age who cares so what happened to uh this uh grand carolina vessel so that was I used it as a demo for like uh, like probably 18 months or two years, something like that. Um, and I sold a couple of them, a couple more of those. Like it actually was real really close after I got it. I sold a couple more. Uh, and I sold a couple used ones too. There was some like floating around Florida and uh, and we hooked up and whatever and I sold a couple. And then uh, the people weren't buying boats anymore. They just dried up. It was 2008, 2009. Right. So that kind of dried up. But, you know, there's a, there was a little bit of a shift in, in what you had to do in that industry. But um, boats are always there. Like you have to, you know, there's a lot of thought and preparation involved or whatever and and a lot more hard work but you know to stay alive granted it 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 never really got as sweet as it was in the beginning but you know it was uh you know it's okay (laughs) it's okay till now okay so so the the economy took a turn and 
things started to slow down. Right. Carl wasn't stacking cash under the mattress as much anymore. Oh, yeah. And uh, I guess there came a time where you ended up in uh, South Florida. So I did, I through those few years, I got into, as people were selling, selling, trading, getting rid of, picking up for cheap, big boats. Right. I got, I had a, a brokerage license. It was a yacht broker for like a few years. Okay. So, um, and I was working on big, big boats at a, you know, big boat yard, big haul out boat. So like 30 plus whatever. Um, if it was big enough for a travel all, you're yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, and there was some some restoration. That was that was kind of the time where I got into more kind of stuff I do now, like restoration and paint and make it you know like look nice and bring it back from the dead and you know that kind of stuff. So there's a little bit there, um, and I kind of continued that for that like boatyard living for. Man, a minute, like a while, like ten or probably yeah, about ten, about ten years. And is this still in St. Pete? St. Pete, yeah. Okay. Till St. Till the till kind of the end of St. Pete. I was like, yo, I got to do something different. Which for no other reason than like I was kind of a townie. I'm like, all right, like you know, I was born a few miles away from St. Pete. I lived in St. Pete. I worked in St. Pete. You know, I'm like, eh, let's do something different. Had some friends that lived in South Florida, and I had visited down there and fished down there for a while. I'm like, you know, I'm going to check it out. I had, you know, positive now, experiences down there. Did this have anything to do with um, the fact that Carl's Fest had wound down? Well... Because, I mean, Carl's Fest is more like a, a that's Saint a local, Pete yeah, centric. It was a Dunedin, St. Pete-centric right. situation. But the... Uh, yeah, I mean, and people were growing older, and the party didn't live in their hearts right. like I thought it needed to. Okay. So I was like, Psh, you guys are soft. I'm out. <laughs> no. No, but the... Uh, it was about that time, and then I went down to South Florida thinking shoe in there's all kind of big boat yards and you know all stuff and i'd worked with some people down there and uh that was the old the kind of first and only time i'm like you know new drink and changed up a different totally different you know well say different i went back to the my very original right my lawn service so i went back to that for a couple years um yeah, a couple of few years, but I actually was building a plug for a boat in my lawn service shop. Okay. Like the back of my lawn service shop, almost the whole time. Um, so I never really, like, went away. Couldn't, like, make it go away. Um, one of the, like, overall boat industry service and this and that and the other stuff like things, kind of like overall, I don't know how to say it, kind of themes, is that whaler, that little, that's, you know, that small, a 13 and a half foot boat, and the little John boats, and this and that, and like the stuff that I could 
afford or had or my friends could afford or you know the smaller stuff that we and what we kind of came accustomed to fish it's not like anybody has a massive boat it was like we could fish this or we could fish that right we all had some little like small cheap small outboard simple because we couldn't afford anything but simple you know that was a theme that carried on with me where i could be working on the you know washer and dryer system on a massive motor yacht but like my what i like is the smaller stuff right what i, I always kind of like it's what that you're, particular you use yeah and what what is va- of value to you right and i've you know that was always kind of my kind of i wish i even knew what it meant but like my, my kind of my ethos like my flavor of appreciation of just the marine industry was that Do you think it's the simplicity of it the the true like organic like the roots of it so because it i mean if we go back and we talk about your brother ran the scam of saying well uh, carl and i got this together yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you're like you had a light go off yeah. you're like yeah yeah this it's yeah, both ours it's both, ours. It's yeah. both of ours yeah. uh if i got to take half the blame i'll mm-hmm. take half the ownership that's right and from that point forward, it opened all of these doors for you, and 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 it gave you it gave you freedom. Really, mm-hmm. it it took right. from being on the bikes, running the neighborhood ponds. Right. Now, the world, you know, the whole bay was your oyster, right? Right. right. So m- maybe it's the the romance, the the nostalgia of those oh, early absolutely. formative years yeah. that really like embedded itself absolutely and i think that there's and there were some some times in my life in in school uh you know some good like professors that i had right that you know wrote their theses about so and so and this and that and i've always been able to equate like what i do to exactly what they're writing about so i had a dude uh he was like an like a English or literature professor, right? And it was all about the uh, the Wild West and why America loves the Western films. Sure. And this was back in like you know the seventies or whatever. He was writing about why you know seventies America loved westerns because America had settled down. They bought houses, they bought cars, two and a half kids, right? Westerns. They were just getting nuts. They were just out there riding, riding stallions, going across, find you know, getting whatever, just finding crazy adventures all over the place. And that's a lot of the time. That's what I'm thinking too. Is like, damn, why are you getting some big boat with two and a half shitters? Right. You can just get some that stays parked at the dock. Yeah. Just get you could cut. So cut your cut your storage bill down. You don't have to work as long to afford your storage bill or the boat payment and get some little wild boat and just you can find adventure with that. You know what I mean? Like sure. everything has like its place like that. Well, it's more attainable. That. Yeah. And, and and there's something like almost like romantic about some some simple boat. It runs. Yeah, it can be brand new. Brand new motor you can trust in. It's ready to go. You got a full tank of gas. 
a capable, reasonable boat, and it's just you can just go do whatever you want. Right. And to me, I mean, it's true. Anything you like ever want to do, from well, it, hanging around my parents' house to if you make it yeah. attainable, it's you know, a lot of people talk about goal setting, right? And if you make these lofty goals that you can never attain, right. it becomes discouraging. Oh yeah, it becomes um, the albatross right. around your neck versus make it something that's tangible and real right. that you can make steps towards and realize that goal. And then when you do arrive at that destination, boom, two doors fly open right. and off you go. Right. So and there's that's that. where your love for the small, like the skiff yeah. comes from. That's right. And it's like, you know, it hasn't been my, my bread and butter hasn't been my, you know, my money maker, but the, it's always been like kind of my, my niche, my personal niche. So, so bringing us back a little bit, we've got change of scenery. Mm -hmm. We're like, okay, you know, I've grown up in Dunedin Mm -hmm. and I've been in St. Pete so long. I'm kind of a fixture. Carl's Fest is wound down. Um, it's time to move on. You're in South Florida. Mm-hmm. You go back to your roots. You're like, hey, I know I can. I know I can crank out some cash. Yeah. With a lawn service, you've got oh, yeah. that going. But yeah. in that shop, you're building a plug. Right. Because so talk, I went. And talk got, about that a little bit. I went and got a little. I went and got a little. Um, I went to Dusky Marine Center, Dania Beach. Okay. Picked up an outboard. A Carolina Skiff J16, a trailer, a gas tank, and I dropped it off at Jamaican up the street to put everything together and put me a polling platform on. Okay. I went up and a push pole, ready to go. I'll right. pick it up next week. And uh, uh, lo and behold, as soon as oh, and a tr- I have troll motor, big troll motor, because it's like so deep there. Right, you know, just dock light thing. So we're working during the day. I'm working during the day and fishing with a couple dudes I know down there at night, fishing uh, dock lights or whatever, and um, I wasn't happy with that. <laughs> I wasn't happy with actually that's working for a living and then having time to fish. So I'm like, I can make this better. So we went to I went online and I and I uh, I did some some research on some some boat designers and I talked to a dude. Uh, it's out of Northwest Florida, not Panhandle, kind of Big Bend, okay, region there, and uh, and bought some plans and and built up about ninety percent of of a uh, of a plug to pull a mold out of that shop, and then um, I got a little. I was like, man, this is it. Like, I got to do this again. So I sold off the lawn service after a a trip to the Keys. Uh-huh. And I met, a, I met an individual there that built some boats in his day and, uh, and wanted to start um, a business here. In, okay. In North East Central Florida. So... So we've been talking mm-hmm. for about an hour. Mm-hmm. So what I think is, uh, let's take a little break. We're we're almost to the point where it's more contemporary. 
So when we come back from break, we're going to keep talking to Carl. And as you might expect, we're doing a show called A Beer With. So we're going to grab a couple of more cold beers so we can keep going. And we'll be back with Carl Granger shortly. So let's pick back up. Um, you are in the keys. You kind of got um, so, asked to pinch yeah. hit, come down and help out on a project. So I went. Well, I went to the keys on a on a kind of a vacation. I want to say it was maybe a birthday or something like that. A little weekend down there, and I met a dude, uh, and he was like, "Yo." I got, you know, some stuff going on up up this way. Um, you know, what do you think? So how did how was he aware of your background at that point? Like, how did you end up being introduced? Uh, I, I actually called um, on a boat that was available to buy. Okay. And I'm like, you know, I want to have a look at it whatever there was supposed supposed to be a dealership down there and whatever and i and i hooked up with this guy and looked over some boats and ended up buying um buying into kind of a project but uh uh that relationship kind of grew into hey you know got some stuff going on and and this area up right. in uh, uh, East Central Florida, I guess, and um, and the I was down coast. the Space Coast, yeah. So I was I was kind of hungry to get back into it, and uh, I was sick of making uh, adult money, right? So <laughs> making, figure what the fuck I can be yeah, poor again. Yeah, Let's get into this yeah. boot business. <laughs> Done it before, do it again. So I uh, I came up here and and uh, the you know started the next kind of chapter of uh skiff stuff okay skiffing things so um well you're probably what about two two and a half years into um kind of this this chapter the the central florida chapter yeah two and a half three years somewhere around there yeah 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 you know yeah it's it's man somebody asked me the other day i said i said i've been here about five years (laughs) And the parties I was with said, you haven't been here for fucking five years. I'm like, two, three, four. No, I haven't been here for five years. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm like, you know, it's it's somewhere around that area. I don't know. It's been busy. I mean, if if nothing else. Right. It's been a little bit of a whirlwind. Um, 
the focus has definitely changed. I think this is the first time in the la- you know, in forever that it's been let's it's focused a little bit more on the shit that I like to do. Right. Um it hasn't been more it hasn't been focused on, you know, making money so much as you know, it's been way more of I guess I moved into a little bit more of a like a passion project. Okay. Um you know there's a little bit of a win loser draw there. There's been some things that transpired here that I didn't move up here and just everything was hunky dory. But um and there was some moving and shaking and whatever, but um what doesn't kill you makes you stronger though. Yeah, absolutely. And there's you maybe learn some lessons along the way. Oh yeah. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and um and I think the position now is is stronger than ever. Uh I've actually and it, it, as funny as it sounds, like you know the the making a living uh, in the kind of boat industry, you know, boat being sailboat, motor yacht, sport fish, center console, you know, whatever boat industry to more what I want to do has is blown out. I mean, just has completely like dropped out. Uh, however, it's I am there. There is a lot more, you know. I have a focus shop that does the stuff that that I like. Okay. Um, there's a lot again in the last couple of years that you know that supports said shop that you know does what I like. But um, it's there. It's up. It's running. It's got you know. It's equipped. It's it's ready to go. And we've done some some really really nice stuff. You know. And, and been into the restoration stuff and have, we've developed a, the new boat you know building in the new the new skiff like completely you know kind of ground up thing and so that's been pretty pretty cool um the from like an angling fisherman you know like personal standpoint it's I've always really liked plugging in so, so you have a, you know, from not a fly fishing standpoint, so you have a, a bait caster. Okay. You've got a fish uh, in one scenario, a, a live bait. That'll do it. It's not the best at it, but it'll do it. Right. You got to fish a rubber worm for bass. You've got to fish a plug somewhere else. You can use the same, you can plug that same bait caster bass sized rod into to, to all those things go with a maybe a seven weight or an eight weight you could get pretty close and you know with with all those things different flies a couple different weights you could be in a in a stream somewhere all the way to the to salt water somewhere i i really enjoy the either the real use of that bait caster and that rod to what you know what you're going to use or the possibilities of what it does so that's where my my like fishing and angling and 
you know, that side of things changed into fly fishing was, oh shit, I have another, there's another stratosphere. So let's talk about the fly fishing aspect. Yeah. So growing up, mm-hmm. uh, Lake Tarpon, mm-hmm. um, you know, the near shore waters of Dunedin, mm-hmm. like, you know, you, you've said, started off, you know, fishing with your dad, fishing mm-hmm. with your dad's buddies, whether it was cut bait, live mm-hmm. bait, you know, and and then, you know, you started throwing artificials mm-hmm. with your friends. and But at some point, do you remember who first introduced you to a fly rod? So this is, this is like the weirdest thing. It was probably, if it was a week ago today, this dude, it's a friend of my brother's. His name is Matt Beard. I was out. And he's like, hey, remember we went, he listened to the show. Okay. He's like, man, you fly fish now? Yeah. Well, you know, hey, remember you brought this rod out to this pond with these dudes, this, you know, this side of the golf course, and we, you know, we fucked around with it, and everybody hated it? Yeah. Well, that was the first time I tried to fly fish. Oh, no shit. You know, it was like this whole, like, we made the connection of, so Matt Beard brought so- a red bone. A scientific angler, real. Uh-huh. Fly line, I have no idea. Right. I remember me, my brother, Jason Raveling, he's been here a couple times, fishing, Ranchwater Rick. Okay. Uh, and we, and he had this rod, and we're like, the fuck? And we, you know, we fuck with the fuck, and I think we had like a contest, I think somebody won it at like you know eighteen feet, right? You know what I mean? We're like the fucking get so it going. so so he's the one that has yeah. the fly rod. And oh, he's yeah. like, you guys need to try this out. Yeah, dude, check this thing, this fucking thing. I can't figure. You know, we're just everybody's out there whipping this thing around golf course, so it's nothing behind you, uh-huh. clean. And we do. We were just like, what the fuck? But I talked to everybody there, and they all remember it. Because they were like, yeah, man, I remember that, that freaked us out. It, you know, I get the question, why, why a fly rod versus conventional? Because we were kings. We were kings of all, any worm, any, like, like, frog, any topwater plug. We had it like this. We, we already just, dialed sh- in. Dude, we could pick a nose with them. Where everybody was killing it. So it was the next challenge. Yeah. And then as soon as that thing came out, we're like, everybody's like like five infants sitting on the bank. Right. Like, what the, what is this? What What's going on? We thought we like had figured everything out that we could figure out, you know, and here we are. What is this shit? And I think it it kind of disappeared for a while. I mean, it, you know, here there it came out when Matt came out and the rod came out. I think it, you know, through a couple saltwater sessions, I remember him catching like a couple trout on it, like sea trout. Excuse me, but the uh, it was kind of kind of a dormant, weird, weird thing for a while. And then I was in Fort Lauderdale before I actually really picked it. Yeah, picked it up. Picked yeah, it up. Picked it up again as like a. Like to further, it was another uh, arrow in my quiver. Okay, you know what I mean. Um, I could definitely outfish myself 
with a you know conventional tackle or or whatever at that point it wasn't like an addition it was a little bit of like a hindrance Uh at that point but in in fort lauderdale it was so pressured like everything was so pressured that any kind of inshore species like like around the lights at night or whatever you had to have a real light 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 small presentation or they were like fuck this we're out like so big snook or whatever, right? You could bur- like, and we even like went we we went backwards. So we were fishing artificial and everything that we knew, and then went. Damn, this ain't working. Are, are they going to eat anything? Let's go get the best live baits we can. Right. Let's see if they're just locked up, and just beautiful presentation of nice live bait nothing light leader everything nothing like fucking hey man and uh a friend of mine named mike uh drug a just i don't know is that like a little ep fly or a little shrimp fly or something through a light that we had tried anything on and they were all over it they're fighting over it i'm like holy shit this is like light enough to where the all the presentations of this you know metropolitan area they hadn't seen this one before right so i've got to add this one so at that point i kind of realized like the power of and you know it grew from there and i started doing it more and more and that was it like you know at this point now i've kind of morphed into like only now you know how to do it know how to manipulate it a little bit that's like kind of all i do at this point well the progression um i I guess is you know the the right word um a lot of times it's it's simply the next step but it's it's interesting that it was like more of a necessity yeah i mean it was like you ended up coming back to yeah you'd seen it before right you know and like you said, 18 feet was the winner. That's yeah, yeah. hardly, it was more of a novelty and a what the yeah. hell. This seems sweet, maybe. Right. <laughs> you know, for somebody. But we, uh, yeah, there was definitely, there was a, a weird novelty of it for a minute. And it, it went away. And, you know, we were kind of aware of it. But there was still, there were still opportunities for us on mega light. And it's the style of fishing was the same so we were you know in shallow water we were sight casting fish we were you know but it was it became harder and harder with more pressure in the tampa bay area or even more so you know we stepped up four notches in in south florida where it was like man we got to be stealth we got to be quiet we got to have a nice light presentation and and that was it It just the presentation we needed the next level. So you're you're now here living in New Smyrna. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got your shop running. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to your shop, in recent months, um, somehow the word got out that uh, old Carl mm-hmm. uh, has experience working on the the sport fishers and mm-hmm. the motor yachts. Um, really with uh, like the drivetrain right and uh, somebody had been up a shaft and was having trouble and 
Yeah, it's a uh, your name got dropped into the mix, and and you find yourself now, right? In addition to owning your own business, right. um, yeah, going over to another one and f- sorting them out. So, how has that been as far as like kind of a change of pace to be back on the the big boat? Kind of, it's you know, it seems a little counterintuitive, but it's nice to take my. Uh, my take out of the company for a little bit, out right. of my shop for a little bit, and kind of help develop and 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 further the the new skiff thing and some ideas that we've got there. Uh, moving into a new facility and and get settled again, so it's nice not to have to pull a paycheck. Right, you know that makes us things a lot easier. Uh, but it's funny, like. I don't know if I just have a, a knack for it or people don't really hear because this isn't like big boat capital of the world. No. So there's not a whole hell of a lot of people that know how to like mess with this stuff. So it's been, uh, it's been all right. It's been fun. You know, it's been fun getting back a little bit, a little nostalgic, but, um, it's, it also brings another kind of offshore. So for, people listening that think we're just like way back in the Mesquite Lagoon. How far do you think as a crow flies? 12, 15 miles? Maybe? Yeah. Yeah. And it's blue water half the day, brown water the other half. Sure. So, blue, you know, when the, when that tide's coming in, rushing in, it's big blue, clear ocean water, white sand. And then when it rushes out... It's the water from the north of Mosquito Lagoon that comes up from Daytona and, and mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. So it's kind, it's a really nice like perspective in how you know what's different. That balance, that it's change, so close, right? Where this is like a lake, this is like a saltwater lake, like give or take, few you know, few inches, few you know, here or there. Big rains, it gets, you know, Mosquito Lagoon gets taller. No rain, it gets lower. This is huge tidal surges daily. Fast currents, big boats. I'm like, well, I'm just here. I'm just, it's just right here. It's just like, you know, 10, 12 miles away. And we have this completely different situation. You know, that's one of the things that's really neat about Mosquito Lagoon. If you go all the way to the very south end of the lagoon... It's almost stagnant and scungy is a good word for it Um, because there's hardly any water movement whatsoever other than a little bit of lunar movement, a little bit of wind movement. And then as you work your way north through the lagoon, it becomes wider, a little bit deeper. You're getting closer to the inlet. Still, um, eliminate the, how the crow flies because it, you know it's got to make it down here. You know, from the middle of the lagoon, there's probably 20 miles to the south to get to the tip, and there's a, probably about 17 to almost 20 miles to get to the inlet. <clears throat> and the closer you get to the inlet, the less and less you see grass flats, and the more and more you start to see 
um, oyster bars and yeah. moving water right. and tidal, and you get really close to the inlet. Seeing like sandy bottom, like yeah. white sandy bottom, because the water's moving oh, so yeah. much. Nothing, you know. There's yeah. no silt built up. It's sand. Yeah, and it's hard, and you can get out and you can walk and all that. Um, so it really is a neat place where you can start your day in one type of environment and move through several environments to a completely yeah. foreign environment from what you started with. And that's like the the weird plugging in the right tool thing. Sure. It's like you could move from our little ditch tarpon from like a four weight or some bullshit back, you know, way back here to a... Uh, a ten uh, weight for tarpon in the or, tw- or around three yeah. sisters. Yeah, just you know, get all you get all the way up, get out. You know, in the same day, you could get out of the inlet. Yeah, you could be on like a fifty wide <laughs> on a sport fish. <laughs> there you go, <laughs> canoe on one end and a sport fish on the other with a fifty wide. So, um, part of uh, getting back to your roots, mm-hmm. um, working a little bit on bigger boats, mm-hmm. you. Uh, actually have found yourself spending your summer weekends as uh what's the official title well it's a i am the uh, the dock master the dock master dock master so uh i think harbor master means like you that's your whole job okay yeah so or you care <laughs> you you've basically <laughs> been given a paycheck mm-hmm. additional to to sit back and watch qualified captains. So I sit so you've got to have you've got to give us like what's the typical Saturday afternoon like at Sea Love? Uh, so the the boatyard's adjacent to a small marina that has a restaurant and a bar. Okay, very close to the party. Like sandbar, party, island, uh-huh. you know, area. So, um, I didn't do the whole season because it's Memorial Day through Labor Day. Right. So, I don't know if they had somebody else or just never find found anybody this year. Listen, we're having some problems out there. Do you mind, you know, hook us up? I'm like, yeah, all right. I'll check it out. So I sit on a a lifeguard chair, like, uh-huh. a, like a tall chair, on a dock, and just watch people annihilate said dock for eight hours a day on now, Saturday and Sunday. There's there's a rumor I've heard, yeah, that I yell that you okay you <laughs> yell. I heard that you had like a bullhorn. No, no, that's different guy. He's down the river a ways. Oh. I don't have a bullhorn. I I use I use uh the, this okay the, you know what I came with uh but I do yell I have some like names <laughs> like is... passive aggressive type <laughs> okay like names for people I I say if I need it like I'm like cap take it out of gear you know <laughs> what I mean like so cap like for captain I also. If it's getting real bad, I said, Big Daddy. <laughs> Take it easy. Cut it back, Big Daddy. You know what I mean? Like they're getting real hot coming in. Um, thankfully, 
the ladies, the lovely ladies uh-huh. of those East Central Florida region that are out partying, they like to wear the bikinis, catch yeah. a little sun on the weekends. Uh-huh. And, you know, and, uh, you know, and then when uh, their boyfriend's smashing the dock, it's whole, everything's shaking around and things are happening. And we're there. I'm there to catch them. Mm. I would love nothing more than to have a webcam, a live webcam of Carl making sure. I storm off. If some, if I'm like, hey, man, hey, man, hey, you know, let me get the bow line. And they're like, listen, man, I know how to run my boat. I just storm off and like let them try <laughs> to do it themselves. Until they ask you to come back. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, uh, hey man, hey, man, hey. Can, dude, hey, can you give me a hand over here? Me, hey, quick hand, bro. <laughs> and you're like, uh, I thought you had this. Bro. Yeah. <laughs> Cap. Sick tat, though, Cap. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I, I know that we've kind of, I'm sure, missed a few things. One yeah. thing that pops into my mind is, uh, I guess it was probably more high school to, you know, definitely when you're around Dunedin, uh, Carl's years as a skater, because mm-hmm. we do... Uh, have quite well, a few a, people that listen that uh, also skate and, oh, yeah. and are curious. Like, so there's a there's a parallel. And do, do you want to? Yeah, well, you, you want to talk to them about yeah. uh, the the pro model vans shoes that were out in '72. Yeah, 19th year of our Lord, 1973, summer of love, really. Uh, so I think part of why the kind of guys and the crew from where I'm from were so receptive to this like challenge and so like in it and and it wasn't and you know we we tournament fit we got into tournament fishing for a while later on and it didn't really agree with us and you know we're just like we're good at it but it was like it was too much um but kind of the reason we got into as far as we got in and as far as we got in even now is that we we were we all kind of skateboarded together that was a big thing we skateboarded you know that was our thing for a, a long time so i don't know you talked about it in the first beer with with mike johnson mm-hmm. is there's there's like this the suspension of disbelief okay and it's true. It's not. That's a real technical term. Well, okay. So it's, it's like hard headedness. No. Okay. So I've heard, and I, I can't yeah. take credit for this, but I read some article at, at some point about skateboarding that basically says that failure does not exist. Mm. In skateboarding, Mm-mm. opportunity exists, right? And it's that mindset. So when you watch a kid try a trick and they don't make it, they didn't fail. They simply there's to there's the, try two. It's try the, two now. Yeah, it's yeah. try two now. We're fired up for the next one. And and it might be try three that they make it it might be try three thousand right when they make it 
but there's a never quit. Right. There's there's the suspension of disbelief, right. like you said. Yeah. They don't believe in failure. They believe in opportunity. There's like a there's like either a strong headedness, a dumb headedness, or just a dumbness. Well, that's like you have to think, you have to believe, whether you're whether you're smart enough to believe it or you're just that dumb, right? That it will happen the next time. Yes, you have to be able to talk yourself into it or just not know that it's worth going again. It's worth like because it could hurt. It could. Hurt. I mean, it's like you know, wears you out over time. It could be you know an easier trick. It's not like physically demanding one, but it. Potentially could be a very physically demanding one. And, you know, the the crazy thing is, like, the level of commitment right. that that happens organically right. where, you know, you watch somebody and they're trying and they're trying and they're trying. And you're like, oh, you, yeah. you're wincing going, yeah. oh, yeah. fuck, you, they you took wanted a slam. that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and they're like, you're, you're like, God, fucking please make yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Please make it. You're going to kill yourself trying. Right. To the point, as a parent, I've yeah. said, Oof. "Hey, man, go do something else and yeah. come back to it." Yeah, maybe and there's next a time. complete refusal. Yeah. It's like, no, this is what I'm right. doing. So, I see a parallel with fly fishing uh, on a personal level. Right. That I don't see a fish not eat. Like if I go out and don't catch a fish all day, that's great. It's okay. Yeah. It's what keeps me coming back. It's I didn't fail today. I right. just need to do something different. And I've talked about it. I think I've talked about it a, a number of times. There was in in my microculture, there was a weird like payment too. So if you went in somebody's shitty old Volkswagen to the skate park and that bitch broke down and then it rained. And then it was, there was, you broke down again. And then you got to the skate park and everybody forgot their wallets. And then you finally got in. And then everybody broke their boards. Mm-hmm. The next session, you were golden. Right. You, you paid up. Dues like, paid. Yeah. So it was like we knew that there was like a certain amount of like, dude, shit's going to suck. Like there, you have to work for it. So if you, they put the work, like if the work like is in front of you right now, good, fine, we're good. So, so that brings me to this mm-hmm. observation, and hopefully you'll have some thoughts mm-hmm. about it. Whether it's adversity mm-hmm. or just shitty luck, I've watched you deal with a myriad of situations Mm -hmm. whether it's selling a business uprooting your life to move here Mm -hmm. to begin working on a business that didn't work out um and you had to start over or whether it's been customers that Mm -hmm. are being a pain in the ass not just on a one-on-one level, but want to blast it out to the world. Mm-hmm. That's I've, the best part. <laughs> I've watched you, and, and this is genuine. Right. This isn't kissing ass. Yeah. I've watched you like refuse to allow any of that adversity to derail you, right? And and a lot of times, I you know. I, I'll say, man, I'd be motherfucking this one and telling that one to kiss my ass. 
and you just kind of get this resolve and say, eh, it's all going to work itself out. Yeah. And I think a lot of that has to do probably with whether it's skating or yeah. fishing over time. And, and, you know, that it's weird to think that something recreationally yeah, it teaches you a lot you, weird. They can, you know, yeah. it does. It gives you a, there's a weird cadence to like how you learn. And there was a, there was a lot like, I, you know, I, I re-listened like we were talking about earlier to uh, Mike Johnson's beer with. And I was like, damn, with the, like, like his hunger to learn about stuff. I'm like, I remember it, like, you know, I'm probably, I don't know, 15, maybe 15 years younger than him or okay. something. Yeah. About maybe that. or so. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking like, damn, I'm, I'm like the tag end of, oh shit, we don't have a, a cell phone. We don't have Google. We don't have, you know, we're like, it's, we might've had Google at the house. Right. But we don't have Google now. Like shit, let's figure it out. There was a lot of, and, and skateboarding was like, dude, how do you do that? I don't know. Ask somebody. Or skateboard to the skate shop and buy the video. Right. And skateboard back to your house. Or. And then play the video in your VHS with your buddies around and be like, oh, shit, we figured it out a month later. You know how crazy it is, like, being from that VHS age of hitting pause. Yeah. And then, like. Trying to like trying to slow mo it yeah. so that you can see what's going yeah. on versus now, man, like shit's already done for you. Yeah. Soup, soup, triple, super slow mo. Yeah. You're like, oh, look at that flick no. right there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, the rotate. Yeah. yeah. All right, stomp it right yeah. there. <laughs> Bam. Okay, I get it. Versus back in the day, shit, you had to. Oh, you want the new VHS? We call back to the skate shop. Yeah, from my mom's house phone. Like John Montesi, bro, you just some of this tape. This is faulty, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we just wore this tape out. Right. It doesn't have that like five minute situation in there because we wore this piece out trying to figure out back like, and forth. Back yeah, and like forth, a technical part. Uh huh. We there's nowhere to look it up. You had to like work for it. And there was some, there's something about that like kind of hunger for knowledge. That, like it it definitely like skateboarding was. There was, there's definitely been high points and low points of skateboarding. Super popular, not that popular. Super, and we were definitely not that popular. At the, when we got in, we're like, damn, what's this? And it was magazines from the newsstand. Uh-huh. Like if you could find them, there was uh, tapes from the skate shop. It wasn't on TV or anything. No, at the time. So it was like this. Oh shit! If you so so tell you're us. Not allowed to know about it. Tell us. What did your sponsor tape look like? Shit. Come on. Let, no, tell me no, about your sponsor tape. That. No. Oh, you know you did. No, no, no. I didn't need it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. We never got into that. We were, yeah, we just there for fun. But but we skated with really good guys, though. We skated with some really, like, luminaries. Yeah. We did. We skated with some, like, dudes that were in video games and shit. It was cool. But the uh, you you actually probably had an opportunity to skate with uh, some guy Andrew that uh, was from like uh, Lakeland that uh, he has a bunch of Baker boys running around now yeah yeah and then there was so there was a um, 
Jeff Rowley was from my was from I think Clearwater Palm Harbor. Okay, not Jeff Rowley. That's crazy. Jeff Rowley's from like Scotland. <laughs> uh, but there was some dudes. There was a, a lot of dudes. Skate park Tampa was a big deal. Mm-hmm. So in, you know, still is. Yeah, you yeah, it? yeah. Thirty years. It's like Shitty. thirty-two, thirty-three like years. Warehouse now. scary as hell around there, dude. Back then, I think it's like you know, it's. I think it's the, like unaffordable. The level of of how slippery everything is in there because of the amount of dust. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, and, and I think like. That's where masonite boogies came from. You well, blow your nose oh, yeah. and you left. Oh, yeah. And the, the wood from the ramp was so wore off, it would get like into your sinuses. But the, the, the dust that's in there is like fine. this fine, yeah. fine, 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 fine powder. And I think a lot of it, believe it or not, and this is my theory, is Cuban cigar rolling. No, 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 no. It's, it's like uh, little teeny tiny, like, steel shavings from all the bearings that got worn out there. <laughs> Could be. You know? Could be. It's slick as snot. It's almost <laughs> yeah. like uh, graphite powder, you know? Because, yeah. I mean, you just walk in there and walk out and you feel like just yeah. scungy. Yeah. And how many kids, wayward youth, have like lived under the fucking under ramp, ramp. Yeah. you know, in that place? That was, that, I mean, that was the, that was the shit. When I was like coming up, but same thing. It was it was like Mike was talking about. If you were gonna hear something, it was from like some like from he wasn't like four years older than you because skateboarding was completely dead at that point. He was like holding on from ten years before you. Yo, bro, check this out. You're like, whoa, this is a fucking weird old guy at the skate park. What the fuck? <laughs> But check this out. We're like bored. So it was like this really like a hunger for information and for media. Now there's no like there's no hunger for it. But for fly fishing and salt water for me, it was like okay this works. Okay, where I'm gonna find this? Where I gotta find some information. You know, Florida sportsman? Nah. No. 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 <laughs> no. Yeah. Not getting it there. I think they had like usually one page on fly fishing. In no. There. Maybe a page and a half. Yeah. So it was like. If you couldn't ask anybody, even you know, even from skateboarding to any fishing, it was like, how do you do it, dude? You tie that stupid. Watch this. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, right. whatever. You better be paying attention. A lot of a lot of like hands on. A lot of like, man, you, I need to that, know. Do this. you think that's missing? Is you know the the passing on of knowledge hand-to-hand, person-to-person anymore? Because I really do feel like, you know... Oh, I was on the edge many, of... Too many too many yeah. kids... And I say kids, like, I'm talking, like, you know, 27 on down. Yeah. It's... They don't want to ask you... You want to be... They want to be king they, from the day they're born. They want to yeah. just... You know, if they don't know, they'll look yeah. it up on YouTube yeah. versus having the fucking... I'll tell you, I'm th- ability to think through it and go. You know what? Maybe if I actually ask a real human being, I know. Yeah, they can show me. And if I have a question, instead of me rewinding and rewinding and re, like that's missing. And I don't know why it is. You know, like I don't know why people aren't more. Because I would have loved other. to listen. There's 
there was problems that we had where it was like the fish are here, the bait, the plug, the fly, the whatever is here, the boat's in the position, and we keep breaking off. And we're using the biggest leader. We're using the biggest, widest, you know, baddest hook. We're using, you know, this, that, the other. What the, do we not have the enough tackle with us? I mean, what are we doing? You know, whatever it is. Look at this fish sitting here eating every fucking fish that comes by. We throw a fly that looks the same. It's not eating. What are we doing wrong? Let's think about it. Let's think about it. If there was like some old dude that was there, it was like, look at me. Stop using green back. Use blue on the back. And it's done. I would have been like, hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I would have loved to have that like input. But I think that kind of input's like a little bit like, don't tell me what to do, old man. You know what I mean? Like, there has- I'm already king. Right. I've got a YouTube channel. <laughs> 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 All right, so from somebody that at the age of 24 had stacked that mattress full of cash to the point that you're buying trucks, boats, and granted through the filter yeah. and, and, and the prism yeah. of history, it was during a boom in an economy. Oh, yeah. But that being said, you started pushing a lawnmower and you saw yeah. the, the, the bigger picture and actually made a business of it right. from the time you were 18. Right. You went and you worked and you found another passion after you worked in it, learned it, right. um, started doing it, and now here you are today doing it. What would be Carl's best advice to oh, shit. a 23, 24-year-old today that wants to know, quote-unquote, what is the secret to success? Oh, so I would show up to, I would show up to a Wild Drake Monday, Brian Floyd Tuesday, Kevin Finn Wednesday, Halchet on Thursday, and then uh, I don't know dolphin boats Friday every day for a fucking year <laughs> until I could you know catch a job, you know, watch what they're doing, you know whatever it is. Do you have to just throw yourself in, see what's going on? It's probably not going to be. I th- I feel like I was backwards, like I did money first. Okay. I, it was every boat first. It was every, you know, uh, uh, charter boat, every ferry boat, every whatever. And then I brought it back to what I wanted to do later. And that was that's a weird. That's a kind of a weird you kind of reverse engineer. Yeah, it's a reverse weird, engineer yeah. back to where so a your weird, passion was. Yeah. If you, I don't know if, and I'm totally hold, honest hold with on, you so, now. Hold on. So. Don't apologize yeah. for it because basically what you're saying is I was young and didn't know what I wanted. Yeah. So I went off and did all of these things and then came back to my passion. So I think part of what you're saying about go seek out the Kevin Finn yeah. or the Wild Drake or the Hal Chittum, yeah. you're saying go find experts. Yeah. Not just experts, but people that have 
tried that trick a thousand times. Oh, yeah. They figured out how to make it. Oh, yeah. And go and study, like, find a mentor. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, this is, it seems, and there's a lot of things about a lot of this that seem way more like romantic than it is because no shit in Dunedin probably at like couldn't have been 17 16 or 17 I had a I had like a like 40 like all combined Mm -hmm. you know all together about a 48 inch stack of every boat manufacturers they used to make hard like pamphlets you know what i mean right like, yeah so it was like here's our boat lineup you know this is what we make it out of this is our thing you know whatever i had every one of them for every manufacturer like one year was like if i put them on the ground and stacked them straight up they're about four like a four feet tall Wow. No shit, everyone. So you've really been into boats for a long yeah. fucking time. Mm-hmm. Like, and you were in it heavy from the get go. Yeah, I really liked. So I really liked uh, from riding kind of skateboards. Simple, super simple system. Yeah, you know, you you put your feet one way, you put your feet the other way. You know, you can figure that out real quick. You have two people now on a thirteen and a half foot, but with a motor, and you can do the same thing get this way i'm gonna get back here you i go that way i'm gonna get back here and i'm gonna get more power less power and with different but you it there's a lot of different things it's that feel oh yeah and we got real into it and we went from anybody from over there would would know we went from the pick up jimmy guanas it's like a like a bar uh-huh. like a pool and everything you pull up on the boat whatever we went from Jimmy Guana, which is in like, like middle Pinellas County, like Pinellas Park, Largo, kind of. We, and there's a lot of no wake zones, but we cut out from Jimmy Guana's, headed north, full throttle, and you know you got the same motor. You can lock that co-pilot. Uh huh. You lock it all the way to one side. The motor will stay straight. Yeah. And we stood up, and we went. From Jimmy Guanas, it was about, I would say, 12 or 15 miles, standing up, not touching the motor. And you can also lock the throttle uh-huh. wide open yep. with that little knob. The, the, the thumb right. screw. Thumb yeah. screw. We locked it wide open, dead so straight. So you'd, you'd step over to one and side and lean it to make it turn? There's three of us in there. Oh, no way. So we walked to one side, a little, we need a little bit this way, a little bit that way. We went under four causeways. <laughs> <laughs> because you know we just and we just start talking and just for legal purposes kids do not try this yeah no, never <laughs> middle dead of the night and nobody around this is what we we used to call gorilla because we had no lights either <laughs> couldn't afford that but the but we you know by the second causeway we were just standing talking like nice everybody knew what to do. And we'd look forward and be oh, there's the causeway. Okay. All right. Then everybody just move a couple inches this way and through the causeway and we're just rolling. But that was like a weird, there was a lot of understanding how things work. Hydrodynamics worked and engines and, and where weight was and all that. So it's a, it's a culmination like weird shit, you know, of like 
how to fix your own stuff and how stuff ran and how it worked and whatever but you know so i would say um there's no replacement for just straight up experience it's true there's a lot it's that's absolutely true absolutely i mean you can't just waltz into your first job and say i've arrived no you you gotta no, unless you're carl granger <laughs> and it's walk in there and be like i'm king Granger learn, danger. Yeah. It's Granger danger. I'm king. And then later you realize you're not. But then at some point you are. <laughs> so is there anything else that you want to add? Any, you know, because I mean, th- this is me with the white tip cane, just mm-hmm. trying to mm-hmm. find those little corners and, you know, I'm going about it blindly. I've, is there something out there that you think. I mean, it's somebody tough. wants to know so about as, Carl. As t- well, about the industry, my 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 like overall industry thing is, oh no, nah. um, no. If you really want it, fine. But like, there's a lot of things you can do that we don't have to, such as uh, a real job. Like, if you were, like, a doctor, then just, you could just buy what you needed to build. Okay. Or, you know, like, have mm-hmm. somebody else build what you think is cool. And then you could spend your time built fishing it. Right. I think that's easier. Maybe. It's, at some level, it's got to be easier. Sure. There's a lot of things you can do that aren't, like, it's, like, rocky and weird and, like, hard to deal with. Um, if you want to be like the coolest new rod builder, okay, there are a billion people that want to be that guy, right? That are already being that guy, yeah. So, I mean, big roofing companies make more than they do, right? Sure. So fuck them. Like, just be a big, be a big roofing company, and just go buy buy your rod. Yeah, just buy all the rods and just do what you got to do and have fun fishing them. So just know like that it comes with a cost, I guess. It's like not as it's fun. It's not as glamorous. No, there's it's not as glamorous. It's it's fun, like on a super way deep level, but like it is reasonably tough. You put in a lot of hours. A lot of hours and it kinda like it definitely wants to take the fun out of it for you. Right. You know what I mean? When people start crying about it, it's like guy we're doing this for like fun this is our fun this is like well you know and and there's you hear it all the time and i if you're not having fun doing what you're doing then maybe you should be doing something else yeah but if you're really having fun doing something it's a hobby right if it's fun but you're still getting paid it's a good it's a good it's a good job yeah yeah if you're just getting paid to do it, yeah. it's a fucking job. Right. So, you know, strike that balance. Find, yeah. find that thing there's a, that... There's definitely... I, I think I can speak on, like, that weird... Like, I probably take up some weird part of that balance that's, like, not often taken. Right. You know what I mean? Um, if it were a, a Justin Price or, a, you know, like a proper... Like daily, I need to pay my mortgage 
captain that like is pushing the skiff every day, yeah, that's like a different situation. We're way more serious about that. Right. But, you know, for your like weekend guy, it's like, dude, we're going to get it right. We're going to make it look right. And just everybody calm down because, you know, this is fun. Right. So nobody's going to like have a heart attack about this this year. We're we're next year. We're playing with toys. Mm-hmm. We're putting together toys, changing a little bit about a toy. Yeah. So there's some things that, and I've been working with Ben Pickett lately, our other uh, co-host. Yeah, we'll call him a co-host. Co-host. Yeah. Co-host. Um, cohort. Cohort. <laughs> uh, and we've been developing a couple things. Where it's it's dreamery, it's next level, it's like the next, like, oh, man, could we? You think we could? And we've got a lot of, we've got a ton of hurdles in our way already, but there's always like that next, you know, carrot to chase. There's some, a few things that we've come up with, just kind of wild ideas, and uh, it's just to keep it fun and keep pushing it forward. Looking so. for the next trick. Yeah. And it's and it's something that we're not improving the the trick that we've already done. You know what I mean? We're trying to bring it to you know the kind of next level stuff. So, all right. Well, uh, I think that uh, we've gotten a pretty good view into uh, who Carl is and where Carl's from. And Carl just dropped the headset, so I think he's done. Thank you for uh, listening to A Beer With, um, Carl Granger. We'll catch you guys the next time.
party yeah and uh i'm in vegas four hundred dollars for a hand job <laughs> it's super fucked up four hundred dollars i know my best man needed the money 